Rush into Old Navy today for up to 50% off store-wide. Get dresses from $15 for women, $12 for girls, plus up to 75% off clearance for the whole family right now at Old Navy and OldNavy.com. Valid 1016 to 1020, select styles only. Hello and welcome to episode one of the Locked On Blazers podcast. My name is Eric Garcia Gunderson, and for the last three years, I was the Blazers beat writer for the Vancouver Columbian. You can currently find my work at BlazersEdge.com, and you can listen to me right here covering the Blazers every day on this podcast, Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm thrilled to be a part of the Locked On Podcast team, and I'm very excited to work with David Locke, who started this network and is the radio play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz, also the host of Locked On Jazz and Locked On NBA. Locked On Blazers joins a big team already at the Locked On Podcast Network for all their Locked On NBA podcasts. There's Locked On Bulls, there's Locked On Knicks, there's Thunder, Warriors, Bucks, Lakers, Heat, several other teams out there. Uh, And before we get into everything Evan Turner that you've ever wanted to know, uh, I'd just like to say thanks again to David and let all of you know we're going to have daily podcasts at least five days a week here on Locked On Blazers. So be sure to subscribe to Locked On Blazers on iTunes, on the Audio Boom Network. We can get you RSS feeds. We can get you everything that you need to follow this podcast and we will deliver content for you on the Blazers at least five times a week. So uh, we are... Very excited to bring you uh, all the Blazers content that you need. And today was the day that the Blazers introduced the big signing. The big, big signing. Evan Turner, who was signed or agreed to sign with the Blazers on the first day of free agency for a four-year, $70 million deal after their number one target, Chandler Parsons, decided to take his max offer to the Memphis Grizzlies and kind of left the Blazers in search of adding talent before they turned their attention to their restricted free agents, three of whom were expected to be hot commodities. But at this point on July 7th, we've yet to hear of any deals regarding Alan Crabb, Maurice Harkless, or Myers Leonard. There was a rumored deal for Alan Crabb that was the exact same number as the Evan Turner contract, but that deal has yet to be consummated. He has yet to sign an offer sheet with the Brooklyn Nets or any team for that matter. So uh, the Blazers are in limbo with regards to their restricted free agents at the moment, but Turner was introduced today at the Blazers practice facility, and among other things, President of Basketball Operations Neil Olshay said that the Blazers had shifted their priorities to the perimeter, and he put in quotes the needs that the Blazers had, and, you know, reading between the lines, he obviously means needs that people saw at the center position. The center position was what I think everyone looking at the Blazers thought that they needed, including myself. They they really lacked rim protection in the middle, They didn't have a center who was really a strong finisher that could post up or, you know, make things happen in the paint once they got the ball. Mason Plumlee was an amazing 
passer in the pick and roll, but his finishing really left a lot to be desired. And then there was Ed Davis, who was a very strong finisher as well, but he had, you know, just some physical limitations with how skinny he is. He's not that big. It's hard for him against really good centers to get buckets on the interior. His offensive rebounding was a huge plus, but the the Blazers really lacked things at center. Myers Leonard, his defensive ability, it's gotten better, but he he still, his footwork needs a lot of work still. His best asset is his shooting. His defensive rebounding has improved, but his instincts still aren't really there. You would have thought that they would first address a, a center, but uh, according to Olshea, their, their priorities shifted to the perimeter. Uh, I'm not sure if that's necessarily the case. It may have been a case that centers that they were interested in did not want to come to Portland, which is totally understandable and and a narrative and a truth in this market that the Blazers have had to deal with that elite free agents don't come to Portland, but uh, the Blazers had to deal with it nonetheless, and they brought in Evan Turner, and really the most interesting thing that Olshay said at the press conference was his statement that the Blazers project to be a 53-54 to win team with Al Farouk Aminu playing power forward, and the Blazers did play much better with Aminu at power forward, and that happened more at the end of the season, but in most of the fourth quarters when the Blazers were closing out games, Aminu was the power forward. Their normal closing lineup was Lillard, McCollum, Alan Crabb, Aminu, and Mason Plumley, and so it seems like they're just taking what gave them so much success, and they're just going to make it their blueprint for next season, which I think a lot of people thought was the the right move. I think Vonley playing a lot was more of a factor of wanting to get him some minutes, get his feet wet on the NBA floor. It was essentially his rookie season. Uh, if you're a Blazer fan and you can remember the 2008-2009 season when the Blazers had Nicholas Batum as a nominal starter, but Travis Outlaw was the closing small forward, think of it in those terms. The Blazers wanted to make sure they got you know their big haul in the Nicholas Batum trade some real minutes because, as you can see, Gerald Henderson helped, but he was not in their long-term plans. They were almost certainly trying to trade him, but then he was, you know, successful with the Blazers. He really fit into the fabric of the team, but they, with the signing of Turner, obviously made no effort to re-sign him. He went to Philadelphia for what was probably which what was de- what will definitely be a bigger role. And so they're going all in on small ball with Aminu at four. I think that's smart to me. Aminu is more naturally adept at guarding big men. I think I can remember even when he was playing for the Mavericks, the Mavericks would bring him into the game to come and guard LaMarcus Aldridge. And his length, he he plays like a big man. He played center in college. And uh, he's also a very good screener in pick-and-roll situations. I think he improved his turnovers that were so, so frustrating at the beginning of the last season seemed to dissipate, but... Uh, The Blazers also seem to be asking him to do a little bit less with the ball in his hands. I think his ability to screen and space out the floor, he shot pretty well from three last year. Uh, He shot a career high, I believe it was 36% from three. And really, this is the right move going forward to to go forward with Aminu at four. Um, But the reaction to adding Evan Turner into the fold 
to this Blazers team hasn't been as well received as Portland's bargain hunting last summer in the wake of the Aldridge departure when they signed Al Farouk Aminu and Ed Davis to what was what were widely seen as valuable deals, things that they got uh, on the bargain bin. And even though it's not paying Harrison Barnes $90 million or Chandler Parsons $90 million, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find anybody that says that Evan Turner's deal is a of great value. Uh, he's getting paid the same amount of money, same years as Enos Cantor, which again was a very polarizing deal when it was signed last year after the Thunder matched the Blazers offer sheet. But, you know, it, it just hasn't, it hasn't been as well received as though there's no way around it. There, there is no sugarcoating it that this, this move is being met with a lot more skepticism than almost anything Neil Olshay has ever done. Ben Golliver of SI.com gave the move a D plus Kevin Pelton of ESPN insider, who last year was one of the more forgiving uh, analysts when it came to analyzing the, the haul that the Blazers got after Aldridge left said that, the Turner signing was the most puzzling move of the offseason, and he wrote that he doesn't project Turner to be a replacement to be an above replacement level player for the next three years. Ouch. I mean, I mean, so we've gotten around the negatives, the skepticism. What exactly is it that Turner does for this Blazers team? And one of the things that Olshay and Terry Stotts both pointed to was that he gives them a playmaker and a ball handler that they lacked outside of Lillard and McCollum. Now, they're not saying this, but if Lillard or McCollum were to get hurt, then you could see yourself saying, okay, well, they're definitely going to need a ball handler in that situation. But, you know, those are really overlapping things. And Lillard and McCollum are both so good at creating shots, not just for themselves, but for their teammates. And, one of my biggest criticisms of McCollum in the past was that he had blinders on when he played the game, and I don't see that anymore. I think he's really developed into a, a very good facilitator in addition to his, you know, excellent scoring ability. I, I don't want to stress enough how, uh, I can't stress enough how solid McCollum is as a creator, shot maker. You don't have guys on your team that are as efficient as Lillard and McCollum are in the pick and roll at scoring, but Turner does give them that with a little bit more size, and outside of Lillard and McCollum, they really had to rely heavily on Mason Plumley, who really did thrive in that role, and one of my big questions is, is Plumley thrived in that role at the five, and you had Crab at the three, who shot 39% from three last year, you had Aminu, who shot well from three last year, and you look at that, and, and you have to wonder, is that not the optimum lineup for the Blazers? Is that not what they should be doing? Because Crab can really space the floor. And if McCollum and Lillard have the ball in their hands, they are so dangerous. And one of them is spacing the court. Now, you have to wonder whether Turner really helps them there because it's an overlapping skill when you've got two guys in a center with above average, two guys of Lillard and McCollum's caliber, and then a center with above-average playmaking skills in Plumley, you have to wonder whether you're just shifting the deck chairs here. Now, he's a good ball handler for his size. He has the ability to guard three and four, but is he that much better than Harkless? 
at guarding the, the three or the four? Is he that much better than Aminu at guarding the three or the four? Is he better than Crab at guarding the three? I mean, maybe Crab is a little undersized. He's not as big, musc- he doesn't have as, you know, the muscular build that Turner does. And so I can see that, but Crab is 24. Harkless is 23. Turner is 27. Now, the thing that a lot of people have said is that it could be that the Blazers felt that they needed a hedge against a big offer for Alan Crabb or Mo Harkless, but I'm not sure that those offers, which is something that Pelton alluded to in his piece on ESPN Insider, are going to be worse than the deal that the Blazers just gave Turner. Now, there have been some rumors about Crabb getting money in the same ballpark as Turner. That's unclear as of today, July 7th, and there has still been no offer made to Turner or to Crabb. And it's hard for me to see Maurice Harkless definitely at this stage of free agency getting a high number he has a pretty large cap hold, and making matters more interesting for the Blazers after the Turner signing is that they brought in Festus Azili in for an interview, according to Jason Quick of Comcast Sportsnet, who first reported that and caught Azili getting off the plane yesterday at PDX, but you have to wonder what that's going to cost, and the Blazers may very well have to renounce one of their restricted free agents. Harkless has a pretty high cap hold, being that he was the 15th pick in the draft uh, back in 2012, I believe. I was very young when he came into the league, and uh, you know you have to wonder uh, whether that is, is really worth it. Uh, Azili has great rim protection numbers, but you do have to worry about a couple of things with him. He's not a very good offensive player. I'm not sure how he helps you that much there. Turner could be replacing the playmaking that you lose with Plumlee if you have a rim protector like Azili in the fold. But, you know, you have to wonder whether all of that is going to coalesce into making a truly better team. And uh, I think it's worth questioning at this point. And the center market, I think, has dried up. The Warriors chose Sean Livingston over Azili, so you might have some questions about that, especially when the Warriors were looking at center as a as a position of need, but they were able to sign Zaza Pachulia for the mini mid-level exception at $2.9 million. So uh, the, the Warriors kind of solved their problem there, but uh, the Azili thing is, is, a, is a really big question mark for me, but we're not going to get too into Azili or the Shabazz Napier trade today. I really want to focus on the Turner deal and focus on what he does, what he brings, because he's the marquee guy that the Blazers brought in. They spent all a, a great chunk of their money to bring him in. Uh, I think a lot of people looked at his almost, um, you know, a rapid fire, almost a panicky move after Hart, after Parsons went to Memphis, just so that the Blazers had someone. Because you know, a lot of people have looked at this free agency as this is one that the that the Blazers especially have to spend money in because McCollum is due for potentially a max extension next year. But again, was this worth it? Is Turner's playmaking essentially, as one of my friends told me, a very poor man's Andre Iguodala worth four years, 70 million when you have guys that are younger, are a little bit, you know, you have Crab uh, Harkless, who's a little bit bigger. You have Crab, who's a better offensive player, a little at least a better scorer. Is is that worth more than that? So, it, it, the Blazers, you know, they're raising more questions than they're answering with this move. And 
Uh, Turner Turner does improve the Blazers at the wing position in terms of passing and in terms of getting to the rim with a higher frequency. Uh, he took over 26% of his shots last year from less than three feet, according to basketball reference, and most of Portland's ball handlers outside of Damian Lillard were not even close to that number. Uh, I wouldn't consider Maurice Harkless a ball handler. He was more of a cutter, more of an offensive rebound guy. He took the majority of his shots from that range and was actually quite good at it, but uh, he wasn't really a, a playmaker or a floor spacer. He, he got most of his work in offensive rebounding, and, and Turner can rebound as well. So when you look at it from that respect, he does add some skills or at least all those skills in a combination that none of Portland's guys had. But again, you look to the youth and the potential, and Harkless and Crabb are both significantly younger than Turner, and you have to wonder whether it's worth taking up that cap space. Now, this is just thinking, you know, that maybe they can think they can unload Turner down the line if if one of those guys emerges. But that remains to be seen whether those guys are even going to be back. And Turner has played in a lot of big games. He's an above-average passer at small forward. Uh, I think Mike Richmond point of the Oregonian pointed out that he had one of the some of the best assist numbers in the league at the forward position behind only uh Nicholas Batum, LeBron James, and Draymond Green. He had the fourth highest assist percentage of any forward. Uh and so you look at that and you it all sounds really good, but does it really work on the basketball court? And I'm I'm very, very skeptical of that because I'm just not sure that having a guy like Turner where he's posting up and, and clogging the lane and, you know, shooting mid-range shots is really going to help, especially when you have a guy like Crabb who is just as good of a mid-range shooter, if not a little bit better from certain spots on in the mid-range. And you also have the fact that he can space the floor. It, it, it really raises a lot of eyebrows. It, it is playmaking... Playmaking has become a very important skill in the NBA. I think a lot of people look at the Warriors. You look at a guy like Draymond Green. You look at Iguodala. You look at at Curry. And you have three playmakers on the court at all times with those guys. And then you add Durant, obviously, to the picture. And, you know, it's going to melt your face. But you playmaking is valuable. But is it more valuable to invest in, in Turner when you, know, you never know what maybe Crab could turn into it, 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 he has you know hasn't shown a, a high super high assist rate and he's usually looking to score but you know guys can evolve and and crab and crab is much younger than turner and i keep coming back to that but it, it seems like it it needs to be repeated uh and the reports when Turner was first signed or first agreed to a deal, both out of Boston and Portland, were that the Blazers had offered him a starting spot. And the Blazers kind of seemed to back off of that a little bit today. Uh, Terry Stotts, understandably, doesn't want to talk about rotations in the middle of July when he doesn't have to really worry about them until October. And I'm sure he's going to spend most of the summer thinking about how to do that. Um, but bringing him off the bench makes a lot more sense, but did the Blazers really just pay $70 million for, you know, a glorified six man? I mean, this is, these are questions that a lot of people have, and I think they're fair to ask. Uh, he's going to take away touches from Lillard and McCollum, and sure, he'll make their lives easier, but will that make the Blazers better? Uh, I, 
I think the Blazers really thrived with those two guards carrying the workload that they did. And I think more than anything, it's kind of a hedge against potentially, you know, a potential injury to either one of those. Um, I worry about the spacing as well. They got away with bad spacing for most of the year with Noah Vonley starting, and teams couldn't really or didn't really exploit that until later on in the season. And uh, they basically stopped guarding Vonley and dared him to shoot, and basically in the last month of the regular season, the Blazers said, you know, forget it. We're going to go small ball, slide Aminu to power forward, and, and they started Mo Harkless, and that, that lineup was very solid. And Harkless, you know, at, as a finisher, was bringing a lot more to the table than Vonley was. And if the Blazers deploy Turner as a six-man, it definitely makes more sense. But again, they're essentially paying $70 million for a six-man, which is not unlike what the Thunder had to do for Enos Cantor. And the Cantor thing worked out great for Oklahoma City last year. I mean, he was a big part of their win against the Spurs in the playoffs. And, you know, he really felt like he was part of the team. And everything that you hear about Turner, you also heard about Cantor. Uh, you also heard about Cantor. They're both good character guys. They're both, you know, good guys in the locker room. And, you know, I it, it's interesting because, you know, you wonder what happens first. Is it culture or is it the winning that creates the culture? And, you know, the Blazers, I think, you know, were pretty positive last year, even when things weren't going well, when they were losing a lot of games with, you know, blowing leads, what have you. And offensively, I can definitely see Turner as an upgrade to Harkless. He actually didn't shoot better than him from the perimeter, but the things that he can do with the ball in his hands are, you know, a little bit more valuable than I think what Harkless did with the ball in his hands. I think we saw that the Blazers kind of went away from that after trying to post him up and do certain things like that. I think they just saw that it wasn't really worth it. But, you know, uh, I'm not sure that his ability to create and handle the ball is more valuable than Crab's ability to create space for CJ and Dane because you can't, you just can't leave him. And now, if you're playing Lillard, McCollum, Aminu, Turner, and a center unless it's Myers Leonard, you can't, you can basically not guard Turner or Aminu. I, I mean, Aminu is still going to have a lot of challenges. I think a lot of people might look at his season last year, which he did have a career season, but you, you see in the playoffs, teams aren't, teams didn't guard him. And I don't, I don't think that that's going to change. And so now you're going to have two guys on the court which, you know, similar to this problem that they had with Harkless, two guys in the court that they don't really have to guard. So it could create some spacing problems. And for what it's worth, Turner had great individual assist numbers. But when he sat on the bench, according to NBA.com, the Celtics had an assist percentage seven percentage points higher with Crab on the bench. So despite Crab, Turner, not Crab, with Turner on the bench, excuse me, and despite the considerable dip, you know, he had great assist numbers, but it wasn't as if when Turner was on the floor, all of a sudden, you know, the ball is just flowing around They're You know, they're just making plays for each other. And, and, and it's a symphony out there. I mean, Boston played pretty good and they were a fun team to watch and they defended like hell. But it, I, I, the notion that that Turner, you know, his assist numbers were great, but it wasn't as if he improved the offense for the Celtics when he was on the floor and he's never had uh, an above average player efficiency rating and 
his, his mid-range shooting is really his biggest strength, and getting to the rim is, is, is another strength of his, but is it worth it? And so I think this is a very confusing move. And if it's any consolation, again, you know, the Blazers paid Turner $70 million over four years. It's better than playing Harrison Barnes $90 million over four years, I, I just in my opinion. And the Blazers did add talent, but it's hard. You know, there's, there's no way you can say they didn't add talent by bringing in Turner. Turner uh, is, is a pretty solid player, but does it take them that much further? Do, does it help them that much in the long term if the ball is out of McCollum and Lillard's hands or if it takes the ball out of Crab's hands? I, 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 and on the surface, it looks like the Blazers somewhat prioritized Turner to Crab, something that I just don't really agree with. I, I Maybe my, my opinion of Crab is, is a little bit higher than most, but I, I just don't really agree with that. And so you know, and through the addition of the TV money and the deals signed in the past two off seasons, deals that were signed in the last two years really look like values thanks to that twenty four thanks to the twenty four million dollar cap spike, and it looked like there would be a similar jump coming in next off season. But according to Eric Pincus, cap guru from Basketball Insiders, the cap is actually only projected to jump eight million dollars next season. So. Although, you know, you could have said to yourself when the Blazers agreed to that deal and it was reported, you know, 470, that, okay, you know, next year that deal will look a lot better when the cap goes up another $16 million or, or, or what have you. You know, people were saying it could go up to 110. But at 102 next year, it suddenly doesn't look like it is going to get that much better. And you have to factor in the McCollum maximum contract extension. I mean, you have to think about that. I don't think the Blazers are really in a position to break those two guys up. And especially with McCollum, you know, due for that extension next year, I I just don't see that happening. And so they're going to be in a position to be paying the luxury tax basically for Evan Turner. And so is that worth it? And, 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 Perhaps Neil Olshay will be proven to be a genius once again. Perhaps Crabb and Harkless and Myers Leonard won't get the numbers that they want. And, you know, as time passes, that's looking more likely. Uh, it was reported that Myers Leonard turned down uh, an extension for four years, $40 million. I had heard uh, during the year last year that he had wanted something in the ballpark of $15 million per year uh, instead of ten, And maybe... The Blazers can get Festus Azili on the cheap instead of having to pay him, you know, what a lot of these starting centers were going for, like Timofey Mozgov was going for six, you know, sixty-four million dollars, sixteen million dollars a year, or you know, the same deal that Jan Mahinmi got. But it it, it just le- it, it's very questionable, and you have to wonder, you know, is Paul Allen. You know, it, it seems it seems evident, really, that Paul Allen is willing to pay the luxury tax for this team. All for, you know, for a large part of it, it's going to be Evan Turner. It's going to be the reason that they're in the luxury tax. And I think Turner, a great character guy, he's going to be great for quotes in the locker room. He's going to add a lot of great things to the Blazers, in my opinion. But on the basketball court is 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 the fit that it, that I'm most concerned about, and I'm just not. I'm not I'm not sold on it and I'm I'm very skeptical really and whereas you know I think last year you looked at the Aminu deal you look at the Ed Davis deal and you're like okay well they needed guys that could play the 4 guys that could play the 5 
they were undervalued, they really hadn't played that much, and they weren't getting big deals. And, you know, you look at the Aminu deal, which is a descending deal over the course of four years, I think he's going to be making under $7 million in his final season, which is just absurd. And that, that deal will be tradable, but I think he showed last year that you don't really want to trade him, because he's very valuable for the fact that he can rebound, he can guard multiple positions, and he proved to be a pretty solid three-point shooter. Um, whether that carries over is another question, but it's a, it's a, there's a lot of questions here with the Blazers, and I think that much more so than last year, the the free agency has left them with more questions than than answers. I think, and you know, maybe Olshay still looks like a genius at this. You know, at, at the end of next season, the Blazers win 50 games, and here we are. Or it's it's possible that the Turner signing could be one of the first questionable free agent signings he's made and could force us to reconsider his, you know, what was once a pretty spotless reputation when it comes to finding talent at a value. Um, That's all I got uh, for episode one of Locked On Blazers. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe to Locked On Blazers on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts. iTunes is definitely the best way. Leave us a five-star review if you're liking our stuff. That's the best way to uh, help us as a podcast. And there's podcasts for 17 teams already on in the NBA. As I mentioned, there's the Bulls, who just got Dwayne Wade. There's the Thunder, who just lost Kevin Durant. You got the you know the Warriors are going to be coming up from what I what I've been told, uh, the Lakers who who signed Mozgov and uh, signed uh, they just got Jose Calderon in a trade which was um, pretty interesting. Uh, they signed Luol Deng to a big deal to kind of be a you know a vet uh, on the team the the adult in the room. But every team, we're we're hoping to have every team with a podcast. Again, thank you to David Locke for having me host this podcast. I'll be back with another episode tomorrow. We'll be getting into the Blazers' other signings. We'll talk Jake Lehman, the the kid out of Maryland that they acquired at the draft. We'll talk Shabazz Napier, uh, who they acquired today officially although it was reported a couple of days ago by the Orlando Sentinel that the Blazers were getting Shabazz Napier to kind of fill that third point guard spot that Brian Roberts and Tim Frazier held down last year and and maybe we'll talk about Festus Azili who knows and then there's the free the restricted free agents and then summer league is is, is this weekend so we're going to have a lot of stuff for you here on Locked On Blazers so be sure to subscribe Listen to this podcast. We'll have stuff for you every day. We're gonna get guests. We'll we'll tap into our locked on network. We'll I'll talk to you know some of my my friends that also are cover the league, and we're gonna bring you the most fire content that we possibly can. So thanks again for uh, listening to the first episode of Locked On Blazers, and I'm looking forward to have you around for a couple more. Thanks. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.